you've seen a lot of clients. What is one thing that you always tell them like, hey, you missed this or you should go after this? Physicians in general, it's not having a contract reviewed or assuming it's non-negotiable so you don't need to negotiate it. But of the people that we work with, I think it's probably understanding background policies. Small things like does vacation roll over or does it not? Is CME total in a calendar year or not? Does it roll over? Let's say that it's CME is $5,000 and you quit in September. So you only work three-fourths of the year but you spent five grand, you gotta pay back 1250. So small things like that. Hey everyone, we are back with John Apino. He is founder of Contract Diagnostics and you're here for the second time. So if you guys missed the first time that John was here, um, <laughs> you should check out that episode, but he is back talking about contract negotiations. Yeah, so now before you were mentioning about MGMA and some of the things that you guys do in comparison yeah. to like, your regular run-of-the-mill uh, lawyer company or lawyer firm, right? Let's get into that right now. Let's talk about yeah. if a physician contacts you, they have a contract in hand, or, you know, in general, they may want to leave their practice and they want their, con their contract evaluated. Take us through that process. Like, what's it like when someone contacts you and says, hey, I have this contract here, review. Take us through that process. Yeah, so um, I wish there was like a... I mean, I don't like a, like a copy paste kind of process. I mean, we have like templates and flow and efficiencies, of course, but we take every physician on a unique basis because we feel that the story matters with each individual physician. So, you know, I mean, it's easy for someone to hop on our website at contractdiagnostics.com and pick a package and sign up for a contract review and upload their contract. But they get asked a lot of questions when they do that, right? What's the nature of the employment? Is it a W-2 job or a contract job? Are you anesthesia or cardiac anesthesia? Are you, you know, how long have you been out of training? Um, you know, where is the position at? And, uh, it, you know, it just, what are your concerns and questions in it? That's kind of a, ba a baseline for us to kind of capture a story. We then build your custom compensation data set from that. So if the physician's in Chicago, you know, we're going to pull specific data to you and your tenure base in Chicago, not just from MGMA, but our internal data as well, which is raw and real time. So MGMA has a lot of issues with it, with who takes the survey and how it's factored. And if you're a 1099 or a W-2 on a K-1, it all just gets dumped into the same. Our data is specific. So here's our W-2 people. Here's those on a 1099 independent contractor. Here's those who get a K-1. And we can easily split out different structures for compensation, not just put ratios in place, which is what MGMA does. So we build by hand a custom data set that's sent to the physician when they sign up. And then we go through their contract, of course, and we understand it. We do the prep work and then we hop on the phone with the physician. And the first thing we ask is, tell us your story, right? So we kind of got the background. We want to know their story. We feel the story matters. So it's one thing if the data says you should be paid $425,000. Okay, that's great. But it's different if the job has been open for two years or if they've hired five people in the last year. It's, I may think differently about the contract and the number and your strategy for negotiations if you tell me that you want to be there for a year or if you tell me that you want to be there forever and retire. Um, I may think differently you know, if you, you know, I want to go part-time. And, and So we capture the story from the physician because we feel that it matters. It's no different than if my, my cholesterol is, um, my, my LDL cholesterol is 100. You know, um, it, ma it might matter if I have 
diabetes and microvascular disease, if I've got family history, if I've had a previous heart attack or not, if I'm you know 18 years old or 75 years old, if I exercise every day, and you get the you get my point, right? So is cholesterol is LDL 100 good or bad? Like I don't know. It depends. So is a salary of 425 good or bad? I don't know. It depends. So our process is very customized to the individual physician based on their story and what's going on with the contract and the story of the employer. Then we present everything back to the physician in a way that makes sense to him or her. And then depending on which package they have, we'll guide them and lead them and how they can discuss and negotiate that with the employer based on their story. So they may say, I'm here for a year. Maybe we're not too concerned about the production bonus that you may get in your third year. You know, so we'll focus on other things. So, um, and then we provide all that detail to the physician, depending on the package, we might do that discussion for them if our negotiation package is chosen. And depending on the package, they can email us back and forth after that initial call. And then we document everything in various different ways to the physician before and after the call. So they have everything they need to provide them value-added resources, like backgrounders on, and on, um, on RVUs or backgrounders on partnerships and what questions they should ask around their benefits. And we really guide them and coach them through the process and so they become an expert, if you will, in our, our times together. So it's a somewhat of a templated efficient process, but it's very customized, very unique to every individual physician. And as we talked last time, what we don't do is just redline the contract and send it back to you and say, there you go because you still don't know what you're signing and you still don't know how to even discuss it with the employer. And they may, the employer most likely doesn't even want that. They'd rather talk with you about it and then make changes as they agree to or have their attorneys change it, of course. So um, in a nutshell, that's our contract review process. We do it differently if you just buy the compensation stuff from us and don't do a full contract review, but that's our our copy paste templated customized uh, you know hybrid approach if you will and you could probably tell we have a ton of fun doing it you know it's it's funny i'm i'm looking back i'm now a little bit over 10 years in in terms of working on my own finishing training and so forth and i can remember and if i could look at how i was 10 years ago to how i am now with looking at contracts it's like a spectrum right I remember when I first got a contract, like I would look at a contract and the first thing I'm looking at is what's the salary? Where's the salary? At? Right. What's the salary? What's my compensation going to be? But right. Forget everything else. Like you ain't got tail coverage or anything like that. Or, you know, you're going to be whatever it may be. You're going to be on call every day. You're going to be on call every day. I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. I was like, well, how much are you going to pay me? Right. And go from that versus <laughs> now when I look at a contract, you know, for me, I'm looking at, well, how easy is it? Can I, can I get out of this? And, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to be my call schedule? What kind of medical malpractice I'm going to get? And then I'll look at the, the, the rate last, actually, mm-hmm. or kind of somewhere in the middle. How does someone who's new, how do you help them to understand what's really important? Should they think that salary is the most important thing? Maybe compensation no. in a different way? Like, how, talk, talk yeah. us through that process. How do you well, help them understand that? It, that's because, and that's where you know it all comes back to the story matters. The physician stories matter. So, you know, for some people, it's risk mitigation. You know, What's we that talked mean? last What's time that about finding, making sure that you know what you can do to get out, and that the risk is as low as possible if something happens. Right, like so getting out of a contract. Yeah, but, okay. or something goes wrong, gotcha. right? You know, your call goes up. What can, can you quit? If so, how do you quit? If so, what happens if you quit? 
Or what if you get fired, right? What do you owe them? What do they owe you? What's the process like? Can you work close? Do you have to buy tail insurance? So, you know, finding out how to balance risk in a contract. Every contract is just risk, right? Risk and reward. And it's all about balancing on whatever it is. So maybe, for example, maybe the salary is super high, but the time off is low, right? We did a neurosurgery contract this week and the salary wasn't that great, but they were getting 12 weeks of paid leave. Mm. As a oh, that's great. It's, oh, yeah. And, and, and the call schedule was fantastic, you know. So, um, you know, where we, we did a we did an interventional cardiology contract this week. And I remember the uh, talking about the physician, they all got paid the same. The interventionists got paid the same as the ETs, got paid the same as the imagers, got paid the same as the general non-invasive cardiologist. And, you know, so th- there was risk on that because he would make less in this group than in other groups if he was just paid as an interventional cardiologist. He did 18,000 RVUs a, a year and really cranked it out. But it was a group model. And it wasn't this like, you know, eat what you treat model where people are fighting for cases and competitive and everything else. And he liked that collegial environment where everyone's here to bring the group up. Everyone's here to work together. And he didn't care. He would rather have that aspect of a contract in a, in a job than he can make more money. So again, it's all balancing the risk and the reward and the risk and the reward. So um, to answer your question, I think it depends if you know, what's important, what's most important it might be to that physician mitigating risk. You know, it might be you know making a ton of money. It's no different. Like if you guys have financial advisors, you always take the survey. Like you know, where, do you want me to? If you lost half your money tomorrow, would you be okay? Nope. You know, would you? <laughs> but would but if there was the opportunity Mentally, to you wouldn't triple, be okay. <laughs> right? But it's that whole thing. Like you know, you're working with your financial advisor. Like you know, do you swing for an eighteen percent return a year, knowing that you might lose? 20% next one year, but then make it up the next year. Or do you just say, I just want to, I just want to make 6%. I just want to make 7%. I want to make 4%. I want to buy bonds, right? Um, what's your risk financially? And it's no different than with a contract. It's just different terms. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've so been doing this what's for the most important thing. I think it depends, I guess, is my, is my just answer. Just like a financial advisor. <laughs> That's how they would answer. <laughs> or even a lawyer, actually. So it depends. Question. Yeah. You've been doing this for over 10 years now. What is, you've seen a lot of clients, what's the one thing that you see that they miss that you go back and you're like, that's a must. Like, Mm -hmm. what is one thing that you always tell them like, hey, you missed this or you should go after this? The one thing. You're talking about people that we work with. Yeah, like the the folks that you, your clients. What is something that you always see them leave on? I would say in physicians in general, it's, it's, not having a contract reviewed or assuming it's non-negotiable so you don't need to negotiate mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even call us in the first place. But of the people that we work with, I think it's just probably, I think it's probably understanding background policies. So uh, for example, like small things like does vacation roll over or does it not? Is CME total in a calendar year or not? Does it roll over? Let's say that it's CME is $5,000 and you quit in um, September. So you only work three fourths of the year, but you spent five grand. Right. You got to pay back twelve fifty. Right. So small things like that, um, based on better policy things that you need to ask about. Um, but they can also be bigger things, like let's say a quality bonus that's paid at the end of the year. That maybe if you start your contract in September, you aren't eligible that first year. You don't get eligible until the next year because you were not there on the the start of the fiscal year in July. Right. If the, and if the fiscal year or the academic year ends in June for the quality bonus, you have to be there when it's paid out. 
meaning if it's not paid out for three months and you quit in June or July or August, you don't get the quality bonus. And it could be 30 grand. It could be 70 grand, you know, um, or it could be prorated or it could be not prorated. It could be binary, yes or no. But the contract just says quality bonus 30 grand. Right. Per year. So again, those are the things that like, they don't miss that there's a quality bonus. They don't miss that it's $30,000. They they may not know what the metrics are because it doesn't say, so they should ask those things. But it's those small policies. Is, it, is something prorated or not? Does something need to be repaid or not? Is there a, a an eligibility period to something, right? Um, whether it's your health insurance and when it starts, and if you have to buy COBRA coverage, finish yeah. your training at right. two grand a month. Right. Um, or is it something as important as I'm a private practice physician and my salary is 300, but my my bonus based on collections is 400. So heavily weighted on the bonus, um, but it's paid out once per year. And if I terminate, I don't get it. And it's not prorated based on the number of months I work, if that's the case. Or there's no trailing AR if I leave, meaning if I pay you for my stint later, you don't get the percentage of it because you're moved away. So lots of those things. Let me ask you this specific yeah. question. Restrictive covenants. Let's say someone's going through their contract and they say whether they're employed. Um, let's say they're employed by a hospital and, you know, after they can't, when in their contract it says, you know, they can't practice within, what, what do they a do? A 25-mile like, radius. A 25-mile radius mile. for three years or something like that. Like, what's the scoop on that? Because I still see contract, I still see hospitals put that in the contract, but I've been hearing yeah. that, that it's illegal. That's illegal. What's the scoop on that? It's evolving. Okay. It's evolving is the statement. So um, a long track record of non-competes in various industries, various states, um, some states, two easy ones, Massachusetts and California have had them forever since we started doing this. Um, and you know, I know it's an argument about competitiveness and salaries, but we don't see higher salaries in Massachusetts or California than other states because they don't have non-competes and people can jump around to take a higher job. Um, now, President Trump started something a couple of years ago. President Biden kind of put some teeth behind it and started pushing something through. The FTC is weighing in. They did a, a period where they do we ban them? Do we not? We took they took you know um, industry letters. So people there was you guys probably signed something from your associations that said sign us and send it in, and we're gonna send our letters in as they're reviewing the proposal to ban federally non-competes, not just from physicians, but in general. So it's someone who works at a coffee shop, you can't go work at the next one. Or someone who works at Google, you can't go work for Apple. Or someone who works, um, but I sell um, what they call pacemakers for Medtronic, and I sell pacemakers for St. Jude or Biotronic, right? So the, di- the different things, you can't do that depending on the non-compete rules. So they're saying, let's just ban everything. So it's not just about physicians, it's about in general. So um, you've seen a lot of pushback, of course, from industry. I've read articles on how big business plans to fight this. Um, and it's we don't have any details yet. Some states have started to change some things, but we don't know. I, I kind of look at it as similar to like marijuana, right? There's a federal policy, but different states have different kind of asterisks. Yeah, there's still dispensaries you know? going and out there. You, yeah. It may or may not be okay, you know. And then if it is okay, there's maybe you can have it, but you can't grow it, or you can grow it, but you can't grow too much of it. Or, I mean, I don't know all the rules. Or you can get you can get paid, um, but, but you can't I get checks. You can get cash only or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I think I think what you'll see is I think you'll probably see um, 
maybe something from the feds and in the states might modify something, but there's always going to be an asterisk. And some of the asterisks they're talking about is if it doesn't apply to nonprofits. Right. Right. So how many hospitals are nonprofit? Right. So they're all they're all exempt. Or it doesn't apply to non-exempt employees, which physicians are, because they they don't get breaks because they they work abnormal hours. They work more than forty hours. Um, so they're exempt. Or it's not applicable to you know uh, private practices. Or it's not you know you'll, or people who get paid more than two seventy or something. So you're going to see. I think you're going to see all these asterisks where like there might be a federal policy, but there's going to be state level asterisks that are different that are going to make it even more difficult to navigate, which is all the more important to have your your contract fully reviewed to understand what the obligation is. It's the same thing with the student loans, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like, you know, basically that the devil is basically in the details. So, yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, yeah. thanks so much, John. Tell us um, again how people can get in contact with you to start working with contract diagnostics. Hi, Percy. As you guys know, we're around... I don't, it's not 24-7, but we're always around. You can hop on. You can call our 800 number on the website, get a text message or leave a message or Jan will answer the phone depending on the hour. You can do an online chat bot. You can set up a free 15-minute consult on our website. There's no charge. You can talk to one of us here um, and say, look, this is what's going on. Maybe it's just a question or maybe it's a do I need you, do I not? Or maybe it's, you know, what are your packages? Um we've got lots of different things that you can ask us, of course, and there's no charge for those. They're not sales pitches. It's a free console. Um, you can sign up for one of our lectures on our website and everything contractdiagnostics.com. You can Google us or click on the links. I think there's probably some below or above or wherever they are in, the, in this thing. But uh, but yeah, it's easy, super easy to find us. And uh, info at contract diagnostics is always a super simple way to get you get uh, redlined right over to Jan. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. The links are going to be in the show notes, in the show description. And um, sounds like Contract Diagnostics does everything but house calls. So no excuses. Okay, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks again, John. <laughs> we'll see you on the next yes, one. Yes, <laughs> anytime, anytime. Always fun. Always fun. <laughs>